Now, I appreciate you um, applauding Tony for doing that because nobody wants to do that. I mean, whenever it comes time to talking about finances, nobody volunteers to to, to do that. It's not something that we enjoy doing, but it's something that is, is necessary. It's necessary because it's critical that we are a fully resourced church. The mission that, that we are engaged in to, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to the world, it is a critical message. And as Tony said, it, it's, salvation is, is free. It will always be free. But the means to spread that good news to the world, it costs money. And everything that is in our budget is mission. Everything in our budget, it is to fulfill the mission of, of bringing people to Christ and discovering together how to be more like Christ. Sometimes we try and divide off, okay, this is, this is operations, this is, this is paying the electricity bill and that kind of stuff, and then, then there's this, this evangelistic work. Well, let, let's be honest, how many of you are going to show up every week if we don't have air conditioning? You might today, but but come six months, you're not going to be here, right? And so everything is about fulfilling our mission. And as you see in your outline this morning, we're going to talk about giving, but uh, I want to be honest and, and upfront that while the timing of today's message is connected with where we are budget-wise, we are fully aware that this is a symptom and not the problem. That, that I can stand up here and I can preach and teach about giving and generosity all I want, but, but it, our budget, it is a reflection of, of a deeper problem that we're still trying to understand. It's not just the budget that you go back to 2012. You look at the attendance, and, and we've been on a, a 7 to 10 year decline. And we're, we're studying. Uh, we have 14 members that, that, that have agreed to be a part of this discovery team. Uh, later on this month, they're going to meet on a Saturday to, to uh, begin uh, training, to do some research, to help the leadership understand the, the dynamics of what we are, are facing as a church, what resources we have available to, uh, to leverage, to get the message of of Jesus Christ out. So this is just a symptom and and not really the problem. The timing is connected, but this is an important issue. Because the Bible it, it connects faith and your finances. In fact, your your faith and finances are inseparable in scripture. Just consider uh, John the Baptist, whenever he's out in the, the wilderness and he's preaching this, this hard message, he, he, he proclaims consistently, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And then the follow-up question to that is, is what is the fruit? What, is, what does fruit look like that demonstrates that we are repenting? And in Luke chapter 3, Luke records for us uh, three different groups that come to, Jesus, or come to, to, to John there asking about this this fruit one is just the the casual person and his answer is that 
if anyone has two shirts, they should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Then there's the group of the tax collectors, and they come and they say, what should we do? And he says, don't collect any more than you are required to. And there are soldiers that also hear John preaching, and they come and say, what, what are we to do? And John tells them not to extort money or to accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. All three of those, John identifies that, that your stewardship, in essence, it is discipleship. That's a message that, that Sam Houston understood. Sam Houston, he, he was one of the, the great Texas. He represented everything about Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. That was Sam Houston. He uh, was described and known as the big drunk. Luckily for him, his second wife was a devout Christian from Alabama. And she prayed and prayed for him. And eventually he came to faith in Christ. And, and at, the, at his baptism, he, he, he kind of set up this ceremony where he invited three pastors that had had, had some kind of influence on his life. And I don't, that, that maybe is a, an indication of, of how big a sinner he was, that he needed three pastors to, to participate in his baptism. But, but as he was going into the water, the pastor noticed that he still had his pocket watch on. And he said, you might want to take that pocket watch off before we get out in the water. And if you have a wallet, you might want to take that out. Sam Houston said, no, my wallet needs to be baptized too. He understood that whenever you come to Christ, that it is all of you that comes to Christ. Or consider the words of Jesus in his first public sermon. He says these words, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says something in that last verse that, that seems counterintuitive to us. He says that, that where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. What we believe is that, that we invest in the things that we value. But Jesus says that it's the opposite. And if we would take a moment to reflect on it, we would see how common that is. So my wife and I, we, we purchased a home a couple of years ago in uh, Pocket. And uh, before we, we bought that home, I cared very little about... Uh, about the, the, the price of homes in, in Puckett. I cared very little. I mean, just some because uh, I care about humanity, but, but I cared very little about the, the, the way that the community looked and the way that that community functioned. But because I have, have started investing my money into that community, now all of a sudden my heart is following that. 
Jesus teaches time and time again that stewardship, it matters because it is a, a discipline of formation. It is something, it is a practice that we engage in and we're, we're studying about habits that, that form us. It is something that shapes who you are and how you will relate to other people. And I've got to be honest, this is one habit that is probably more difficult for me than any other. Because I, like many of you, have been raised in a culture of of scarcity, that resources are finite, and so you hold on to what you have. And that has caused problems in relationships for me. Several years ago, uh, my wife had, uh, was at home while I was out somewhere, and uh, she was doing some cooking, and she had cut her finger with, with a knife that was, had just been sharpened. And I remember receiving the call as I was in the car, and, and she asked me to, to hurry up and come home because she thinks she needs to go to the hospital and get some, some stitches. And there was silence on the phone. I didn't ask her if she was okay. I didn't say anything about her. I didn't say anything. That silence, it communicated to her frustration and anger. Because she knew that my mind was going to what this is going to cost us. And how could she be so stupid? How could she be so careless to to do something like this? That that incident has, along with others, has created tension in my marriage that, that shouldn't exist. All because I'm stuck in this this mindset that says resources are scarce. I'm like the little children that are sitting in the pews and they've been given a dollar or a quarter to put in the plate as it's passed and, and you watch them as they, and, and the plate just st- sits there in front of them and you're kind of yelling at them uh, in a whisper to, to let it go. See, Jesus, He talks a lot about money. It's been estimated that 15% of everything that Jesus says has to do with money. Uh, Roughly a third of the parables that Jesus tells talk about the the stewardship of the resources that you have been given. Because He wants something for you. See, Jesus isn't against us having wealth. He's against wealth having us. And so how, how do we use this habit to, to become people that are kinder, a, a people that, 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 that follow the great commandment, that we love God and we love people? This habit of giving. 
It doesn't come naturally for us. And so I think that there's a progression. There's a there's a process that that we can follow in order to develop a a more compassionate spirit inside of us. And I think the first step is just to to become a a regular giver. To not just just give whenever whenever the Spirit moves you. Not just give whenever uh, the the sermon is great or or whenever you, you, you hear about some great need in the community. But we become intentional. We give consistently there are a number of ways that that we can uh, that, that we make available for our members to to give regularly one is is weekly whenever we gather we, we pass the basket it, it's this weekly reminder that that this is something that should be a rhythm. This should be a part of our lives. We also have members that because of, because of jobs or, or maybe because of health, they, they're not able to be here every week. And so, so they will, they'll mail in a check every month. That whenever they sit down and they're, they're paying their bills out, they're, they're writing their, their, their checks to send in to the electricity, the gas, and all of those other, other bills, they, they will write in a check for the church and they'll mail it. That, that's their way of, of doing it regularly. You also can, can do it online. You can do it through your phone going to our website and there's a, a link that you can follow and it's just uh, two steps for you. If you'd like, you can set it up on a recurring payment. If you do that for your bills and it's just, it, it's just kind of taken care of for you, you can do it that way. But if, you, if you'd like to, to have that, that reminder or, or have it a part of your discipline every week that you do it, you can do it through, through the phone, uh, through the Internet every week as well. We want to make it easy for you to be a regular giver. But I don't know that it's enough just to become regular. The next step is to become a percent giver. Become a a percent giver. To to give a percentage. The, the biblical term for this is a, a tithe. And all that the tithe means is to, it, it, it's a, a word that, that means tenth. And I understand the objections that, that, that some of you start to come up with because th- that's an Old Testament thing. That, that's a, a law thing. A couple of things. One, the the tithe actually predates the law. The first mention of a tithe is, is with Abraham. And secondly, when does Jesus and grace, when does it ever lower the expectations of a righteous life? 
I mean, you, you read in the Sermon on the Mount, and every one of them, uh, you know, Jesus says, you've heard it said this, and he's quoting the law, and he says, but I say this. He's raising the expectation of what it means to be righteous. I think it's important to notice that whenever Scripture speaks about the tithe, it always says to bring the tithe to God. It never says to give God the tithe. For example, in Malachi chapter 3, God is saying that if you'll return to me, then, then I will return to you. And then he says, you are under a curse. Or excuse me, verse 8, he says, will, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. See, whenever God was instructing the Israelites about the tithe, He says that, that, that all of this land, everything, it it is mine. And he's instructing them not to give a tithe, but to bring the tithe to him. Think about it this way. You go down to the public library and you, you borrow a book. Whenever you go back a, a couple of week, weeks later, after you've finished reading that book, the receptionist at the desk, they do not say, hey, do you have any books that you want to give to the library? Instead, they recognize that you are bringing a book because it's their book to begin with and that is what the tithe is about it is recognizing that everything you have not is not only is it from god it currently is god's he's allowing you to manage it and whenever we become whenever we mature in our faith to becoming a percent giver, then we, we are acknowledging that, that 90% with God's blessing is going to be more than 100% without God's blessing. Then Malachi 3, verse 10, doesn't end there. God says, I want you to test me in this. It says, if you bring the, the tithe to me, bring the full tithe to me, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. He's asking us to, to challenge Him. This is the only place in all of Scripture that, that God says, test me. In other places, God is angry that the people are testing Him. But whenever we give, we are making a statement about the character of God. I don't want you just to be satisfied with being a percent giver. I want to see all of us move to becoming an extravagant giver. 
throughout the Old Testament whenever it talks about bringing the tithes and offerings. Another term that is connected with that is the term first fruits. That comes from them living in an agricultural society where, where what they brought to God, it wasn't paper money, it was actual crops. And the instruction was that the first round of the harvest, they were to bring that. And if you know farmers, if you've ever lived around them, you know the anxiety that they live with. Because tomorrow, today the crops might look, look good, but tomorrow a hailstorm might come and destroy everything. And God doesn't just ask for any 10%. He asks for the first 10 and to trust that, that He is good enough to provide the, the other 90. Proverbs 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. We give as a statement about God. Whenever you read the book of Acts, the, there are these acts of generosity that, that continue to unfold. And every time there's a statement about the generosity of the church, the church grows. Because generosity, it is characteristic of people who are committed to following Jesus. Because they don't live out of a scarcity mindset. They understand the character of God. Brennan Manning has a, a beautiful story about how he got his name. He wasn't born with that name. He was born Richard Manning. He had a good friend that he grew up with in, in Brooklyn. His name was Ray. They, they grew up uh, playing sports together. They went to school together. They even entered the army together and served in the Korean War while in a foxhole one day a grenade came and landed right between them as they were reminiscing about what it was like back in Brooklyn. Ray looked at Richard and smiled, threw down his chocolate bar, and threw himself on top of the grenade and was killed. Richard lived. Years later, he's sitting in Miss Brennan's house, Ray Brennan's mother's house. And he's as, they're, they're talking about Ray, and, and, and Manning says, do you think that Ray loved me? Miss Manning got up from her seat, went over and pretty sternly shook her finger in Richard's face, and said, what more could he have done for you? Whenever Manning...
became a priest, he changed his name to take the name of a saint. And his mind went to that childhood friend that saved his life, Ray Brennan. What more can God do for you? Romans chapter 8, verse 32. You, you've heard, you know, if, if God is for us, who can be against us? This is the next verse. That God, He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? This is who God is. I've talked with people that, that come to church and, and they're, they're new to this church and, and they're coming and they're, they talk about how the church that they were leaving, that they, they just always talked about money. And it turned them off. And I understand that. I understand the, that concern. I understand the, 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 the kind of uneasiness that, that comes up inside of us whenever we start talking about money. But what I want you to, to hear more than anything is that this is important not just for this church. Not just because we're behind budget $11,000 for the month of January, but this is important for who you are becoming. God is for you. He gives the instructions for, for us to, to give, to give regularly, to, to give a percentage, and to, to give sacrificially like He does because He wants what's best for you. So if, if you're concerned that, 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 that I'm just doing this because I want your money, then find something else. There, there are other works that you can give to. But I'm, commit, I, I, I'm convicted that the church, it matters. And that's why my family gives to this church. So let me ask you to spend some time talking as a family about where you are. Because I know that, that it's easy to just get in the, the routine. And, and for some of us, that routine is if we've got a, a couple of bucks in our pocket on Sunday morning, then we give it. Some of us, the, the routine is we, we've been given the set amount for some time and we haven't taken the time to, to reflect on how God has blessed us over the last couple of years and our income has actually gone up and we haven't, haven't uh, returned the favor to God. And some of you, some of you have been given the spiritual gift of giving. That, that is a spiritual gift that is mentioned in the, the list of 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 spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is the spirit of generosity. And I, I thank you for that. And ask you to continue to grow in that and continue to lead us 
as a church in that. Let's pray. Father, money is one of those, those issues that, that has become intensely personal for us. We don't like people knowing how much we make. We don't like people knowing how much debt we have, how much money we spend on any number of things. And God, I pray that you would free us of of the false narratives that we have believed about the way that this world is, about who you are. God, I pray that, that you would stir up generosity here in this place so that we can continue to be generous to the world around us. So that we can spread the good news of Jesus Christ, of the, the love that He has and, and how You didn't spare Him. God, if we need convicting, I pray that You would convict us. And God, if we are struggling financially or just with our attitude towards money, I pray that You would comfort us through Christ. Amen. God didn't spare His own Son. And the first step actually isn't even to become a regular giver. The first step is, is just simply to, to give up your name and to take His name. To take on the name of Christ. And if you haven't done that this morning, then, then we encourage you to do that right now. Some of our shepherds will be at the back of the worship center. We're going to sing some more songs. And we invite you to come as we stand and sing together.